Welcome to Studs. Studs explores and honors working. It also honors the life's work of the oral historian and legendary Chicago radio host, Studs Terkel. And in my effort to close the social distance, Studs gives me a chance to check in with good, hardworking people and take a deep dive into what they do for a buck. Thank you so much for tuning in. <laughs> that was terribly unsettling. You know that, right? I do. I do. Hi, Scott. Hi, Dan. So we're going to do an audience Q&A episode, and you're going to be mostly on the Q side of that. How do you feel about it? Uh, it's a little nerve-wracking. It's some uh, big shoes to fill. I am a total mess. I don't like being on this side of this at all. Why, do you, why are you... Why are your nerves racked? Well, um, I am a big fan of, of both you and the podcast, and I know how much work goes into to making these things. I know that I've done a fraction of that preparing for this, uh, and and I want to make sure that it's you know it's up to par with uh, what you're used to putting out, and and make sure it's good. And that's uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of pressure. It's not pressure from you, but the, the pressure's there nonetheless. Yeah. Well, you thrive under pressure. You thrive to spite or despite pressure. I'm feeling some pressure. Like I'm like physically, like I'm clenching my fists right now and having a bit of a hard time. Like I wanted to provide a space to, you know, my audience such as it is to ask questions. I also perhaps more selfishly wanted to give myself an opportunity to explore my practices. And I kind of hope that being in conversation with you would fulfill both of those functions, right? Like you would give me a chance to to reflect and to get your input. It would also give me the opportunity to field questions. But I guess I'm trying to put a finger on why it is that I'm so discomforted by this. You know, I think it's in part at least because I think that my project is actually like really humble. Like there's not that much to say about it. I mean, I'm deeply interested in it. I could talk about it all day, but I have this fear I'm realizing as I, you know, engage with you here. I have this fear that to the extent to which I pull back the curtain, people will just realize that there's not a whole lot of there there. Right? Like basically, I just want to give a safe but challenging space to my guests to give them a chance to reflect on their work. I want them to know that they matter and that their work matters. And that's like about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, I don't know how long we're going to do this for. There's you know, no shortage of audience questions. I'm not committed to getting to all of them, but if this is 20 minutes or two hours, I guess it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it and uh, we should dive right in. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Oh, can I introduce you? Uh, Sure. So for those of you who have been listening to the podcast religiously, this is my friend, Scott Robin. He was on season one of the podcast. He was on the season three working roundtable. He also <laughs> um, doubled as Howard Maple, the pet eulogist on our April Fool's episode. Uh, so how about let's dive right into it. 
I mean, I think we should because that'll probably be the only thing to quell my nerves. So uh, you have a, a list of questions. I, I should say I forwarded them to you. I made an effort to not think about them much. I didn't want to like give, you know, rehearsed answers or um, I wanted to like save the opportunity to reflect for this moment. Mm -hmm. And while I have been looking forward to it, I have not been meditating on the questions. So throw one at me. I think I'm ready. Okay. Our first question is from Julian G. from Berlin, who you remember and the listeners will remember is the concierge from season five. Uh, the first question is, what was the biggest hurdle in setting up the podcast and getting the wheels moving? Were there logistics, technical aspects, uh, finding right. guests, personal? Yeah. Um, so, of course, there were some technical things that I had to grapple with, but I was really lucky to, to have you, Scott Robin, in my life. And, you know, on occasion, I would reach out to you. You're sort of like my saving grace for all things technological. And one of the first things you did was to turn me on to Transistor.fm. And that was, you know, for anyone who's like listening to this, who is even thinking about starting a podcast, Transistor.fm was a great resource to me, like a, a podcast hosting service. And they take care of all of the things that you know, might have made things more complicated. And there was like a small barrier to entry and I was happy to pay that. And it's cool to be part of their family of podcasts and to get their customer support. So like as far as technical stuff, you know, I had to learn to do the things, but I knew that there were people out there who were making podcasts and I used all of the tools available to all of us, you know, using YouTube and instructional videos on other websites and trying to talk to as many people as I could to help to overcome the technological hurdles, which though real, weren't particularly overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't say that was a major hurdle. Was there an aspect of, of, uh, of it that was sort of struggling with uh, how much money or time to invest on proving the first episode to yourself or, or getting started? Yeah. So I didn't realize that it was going to take as much time as it took. I mean, each hour is something like eight hours. Wow. You know, recently it's been sometimes six, but it's often been 10. And like, if you find that to be kind of, you know, almost unbelievable, well, you, you know, I think about the person a lot going into the discussion, and that's one of my favorite parts of the podcast, right? It's just like really like sitting down and putting the thought into why I'm curious enough to invite this person onto the podcast, right? And then um, I communicate with that person a little bit in advance of the discussion. I tell them what I want and what I'm trying to do. And if they're not regular listeners to the podcast, I need to explain to them that, you know, what I'm trying to do is not investigative. I'm not trying to like overturn any stones. It's not journalistic in its intent. It's really just exploratory. Mm -hmm. And then there's the discussion itself, right? So we usually spend an hour and a half to two hours on Zoom or Zencaster. And then it's the editing process. And I did not know how long it would take to edit these things in a way that makes me really feel like I'm honoring what this person does every day for a living. You know, I've had conversations that I could probably just put a little lipstick on 
and send it out into the world. And it would be interesting and people who care about working lives would tune in. But I feel like a deeply rooted commitment to try to really bring out the best in my guests. And, you know, the people who I'm in conversation with, like, they're not professional talkers. You know, nobody really even asks them about their jobs, you know, perhaps at a cocktail party or like their partner when they come home, like, how was your day at work? But like, no one's really giving them the chance to reflect on what they do in any long form. And so one of the early hurdles was like dealing with editing and dealing with the fact that it can never be perfect and dealing with the fact that it's their voice and not mine. My goal is to bring out like the best of their voice. You know, like what I'm, what I'm trying to do is to give them a record that they will want to play for their children. They'll want to play for their friends. They'll want to send it to their parent and be like, you know, dad, you, sometimes you ask me about my work. This is what I do. And I want them to be proud of that conversation. And that takes work. So like in answer to Julian's question, like one of the things I've really had to grapple with from the very beginning was how much time can I commit to any episode? Scott, do you remember in the first season, I was, my goal was to do two a week Mm -hmm. and I did for the first like three weeks or whatever. Yeah. And that just became totally impossible. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you know, I'm, I'm sure some of the listeners know this or they can guess this, that, you know, you have a day job, uh, you you have a family, uh, you have a lot of things going on in your life, you know, uh, and you know, this, this is a lot of work. When do you find the time to do it? Is it at nights and weekends? Does it interrupt with your, your other, other schedule? How do you balance it? Um, I think about it nonstop. It's become an obsession. Mostly a healthy one, but an obsession nonetheless. The recordings I do at 8.30 p.m. So, you know, get my kid to bed, ask my wife to kind of chill out in the other room And by the way, sometimes I fear that that affects the product, right? Like I get up usually five o'clock in the morning, sometimes six. And by 8.30 at night, you know, I don't know that I'm at my best per se. So so the recordings happen at 8.30 at night. And I'm usually buzzing a little bit from those conversations. I stay up uh, until, you know, midnight just processing the data, but also processing my thoughts so that when I have time to edit down the line, I, I, I have some notes, like physical notes, and uh, some ideas of what to trim, what to accentuate, and how to make it punchy, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a struggle to find time. That has been, you know, maybe this gets into Julian's question a bit. Like, that's been probably the biggest challenge is finding time and, like, also like trying to find my voice as someone who's doing something publicly for the first time. Mm. You know, I was never on stage in any regular or serious way. You know, I'm not trying to be anyone else, but like, 
I mean, one of the hardest things for me has been just to like let myself be who I am and hope that that works for my guests and that my listeners can just deal with me, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because I have a hard time dealing with me. I don't know. So that's, that was another challenge too, is like finding a, finding a voice. Yeah. Well, if I may take a moment to pay you a compliment, it's one of the things that I admire about you the most is, uh, is your consistency of, uh, of who you are. I think a lot of people, maybe this fits into the topic of, of the uh, podcast, but I think a lot of people can tend to be different people at work or different people at home or with their family, you know, kind of put on, accentuate certain parts of their personality. And that's one of the things I admire about you is that I think you present the same Dan to everyone. I think it comes through in your podcast and certainly comes through in how I've known you. You are literally too kind to me, um, and I am terrible at taking compliments. I'm trying to improve. Thank you. Yeah. You know, this is uh, maybe a, an awkward way to follow up, but occasionally I um, I imagine, you know, saying and speaking your eulogy at your funeral, and that's kind of part of I've already prepared that part of it, so like, <laughs> I'm happy I got to use it while you were still around. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um, we got another interesting one here from, uh, Eric Spencer, who was also a guest, uh, and your podcast and was one of my favorite episodes. Yes. Patron of the podcast. Yes. Uh, a good guy all around. And this is an interesting one because I, you know, it's in your, uh, your intro itself that you, you know, much like studs, you look to honor work and, uh, and honor the, the work that people do. Uh, and Eric's question is, have you ever considered doing an episode, uh, possibly a roundtable, on all of the jobs that people may have not liked to do, the the sort of worst job experiences they've had? Am I, can I swear? Yeah. Okay. He specifically yeah. said, like, on all the shitty jobs that people have endured. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, if you're allowed to swear, am I allowed to drink? Mm, please do. I'm going to go to the fridge and grab a beer. I, you said Eric Spencer, and it made me think, I could use a drink. <laughs> Hold on. I'll be back in a second. Please do. I should probably just have water, but... Ooh, is that a beer? It is. It sounded crisp. It is crisp. It's a Le Choufoublon. Now I'm going to sound like a total snob, but I do like me a Belgian beer. Mm-hmm. Me too. Ah, Prost. That was a good idea. I'm a good decision maker. Um, have I considered doing a podcast about people's shitty jobs? I mean, you know, that would be a fun thing to do for like a between the seasons sort of hang out and talk about work thing. I really know I haven't I haven't considered doing it. I'm so currently I am so wrapped up in taking deep dives into exploring people's careers. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun though, wouldn't it? Like to do you know what I could do is just like reach out to listeners have them send me like an audio file 
of like a two to three minute description of the worst job they've ever had. Right. Mm -hmm. And stitch it together, put some music behind it and just have sort of a, have a little chuckle about it. Yeah. But that's not, it's kind of not what I'm doing. Would you be interested to hear that? Would that be something you'd be, cause you've had some shitty jobs. <laughs> I've had, uh, yeah, I've had quite a few. I think it might be interesting to, to ask some of your guests, maybe not as a, a you know, the full subject matter of, uh, you know, of an entire podcast, but maybe of the guest and say, you know, you, you know, you're, you're accomplished. You've, you know, Dave O'Connor, you're a virologist, you know, you've come all this way, but like in the early days, you know, what were some of the jobs you did that, you know, that, that might have not been so good or that kind of steered you away from wanting to do that particular thing? Like it may be interesting just to hear as a, a question, you know, an icebreaker to get to know people. Yeah. Cause it'd probably be surprising to hear, you know, some of the answers of somebody that's so accomplished and a particular field of study, you know, where else were they in their early years? Yeah, I like that. I, I also know that a certain proportion of my audience is former students of mine. And while some of them are, you know, well into their 30s, I have students in their 40s now, which seems impossible to me. A lot of them are in their late teens, early 20s, and they're just starting to think about work in a serious way for the first time. And perhaps having them, you know, get a sense for the preposterous jobs that people have had in the past, you know, like, do you know my first job? Have I told you this story? I'm sure I have. Uncle Freddy's Red Hots? Yes. Well, and and you interviewed uh, somebody that you worked with there, right? Was it the owner of Uncle Freddy's? No, I interviewed Jimmy Photo of Photos Red Hot. That's same it was. neighborhood, That's same it was. thing. Yeah, but in that interview, I was telling Jimmy that my dad forged my birth certificate. That's right. When I was twelve years old, so I could work at Uncle Freddy's Red Hots. I wore a pink shirt that said "Eat Here or We Both Starve," and I was like a an obese kid. And like looking back on it now, I imagine people looking at me in that shirt, being like, "That boy's not going to starve at all," but. Uh, that's just my own retrospective shame. Yeah, I think just to, to sort of carry on with the the idea, like I think it might be interesting because even the worst jobs, I think you you learn something about working yeah. that maybe is applicable in, into a later job, whether it's you know the lines that you draw and what you're willing to do or a particular skill. I think uh, I think it, it might be interesting to tie it in, but that my two cents. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the problems that I've encountered in my thinking about the podcast is I've been reticent to reach out to people who don't like what they do, particularly in these days, right, in COVID times when everything is already sort of amped up anyway. I'm reluctant to ask someone to put themselves in a position to talk about something that they don't enjoy or something that they actively dislike. And so I have friends who have jobs that they don't dig at all. You know, some of those jobs compensate them well and they're wearing the golden handcuffs. Others are jobs that they don't like and it's not compensating them particularly well, but for one reason or another, they're stuck. Mm -hmm. 
And some of those jobs can be like really abusive and traumatic and, and if not that bad, like endlessly frustrating. And so to add to that, to put people in a situation where as like a favor to me or as part of a desire to, you know, have their voice on the airwaves, so to speak, you know, they come on the podcast. It just seems kind of antithetical to the mission of the podcast as I've envisioned it thus far. But yeah, maybe the vision needs to grow. No, no, I, I think that makes sense. I mean, I, you do set a certain tone here. And, uh, you know, I think you sort of dip into maybe the sort of, you know, the the other side of it by asking people to describe a certain failure they've had, that maybe that's enough, right? And uh, and it's nice to keep things on a sort of positive, uplifting note about their careers. I mean, these days, you know, why not? Yeah. Oh, yes. I, for one, appreciate it. So that's a good segue, I think, into our next question uh, from Lena Marzona, uh, also from Berlin. Her question. She's the best. One day you're going to meet Lena Marzona. She is a global all-star. I'm telling you. I'm very excited this to meet her. This woman is to the moon. She's the best. Cat's pajamas. <laughs> what did she ask? She, well, she's, first of all, it started by saying that you interview a lot of people that are highly empathetic, humble, and open to the world. You often say that you're seeking to honor people's work. Would you ever consider taking on the challenge of interviewing someone whose work might be considered dishonorable? Yeah, sure. Is mm, I don't know that I would do it if I dishonored their work. Like I had on a strip club DJ, I had on a stripper, and I actually learned quite a bit from both of those discussions. And I will say that going into both of those discussions, I wasn't myself really honoring their work. I just thought it would be interesting and I could give them a platform and I could learn a bit. But I found myself really developing a bona fide appreciation for the stripper and the strip club DJ in, in talking to them about the communities that they were building and the creativity and their desire to just like create like an ecstatic environment and to help people just like lose their shit, you know, part of which is so that they can throw money on stage, but part of which is just to create like an environment, an atmosphere where people could just forget about life for a while, you know? And so... You know, neither of those professions are honorable in a lot of people's eyes. They're more honorable in my eyes than they were before I talked to Johnny Spaeth, Andrea Doré. Um, but I don't know if I would want to talk to someone whose work I actively despise. Like, I wouldn't want to talk to a pimp. Mm -hmm. You know, there are people who will do that. They'll talk to someone who's involved in sex trafficking for a living. And I, I, I wouldn't want that on my podcast. Yeah. I think one way to maybe f to frame it other than just being dishonorable could be people that you have a philosophical disagreement with somebody who runs a business that you feel might be harmful to the environment, something that, you know, it, it would require you to, measure 
your opinion. I mean, you do that. You do that anyways. I think you you remain neutral, but getting to know the sort of inner workings of somebody and why they do what they do, even though you might disagree with the sort of premise of of why they're originally doing it. Yeah, I think I'd be open to that, Lena Marzona. <laughs> I think I'd be open to that. So long as I didn't find their work having like a direct nefarious effect on innocent people. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to have a truck driver on the podcast. I realize that trucks emit a ghastly amount of carbon, but that's not going to keep me from having a truck driver on the podcast. I have a former student who I quite like and I have a fondness for. And he is the head of like an auto racing team. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a world-class engineer, like a pedigreed engineer, but he's using his engineering capacities to make race cars go faster and he heads a team of people to do that and like i mean i get it you know you got the need for speed and there's all sorts of cultural cues wrapped up in that i just have a hard time seeing that as like the optimal use of resources and i don't want to be a wet blanket but like auto racing formula one racing stuff like that is like i don't know i i got issues with it i don't find it particularly honorable but would i have this guy mike on the podcast mike lewin mike lewin you're invited on the podcast i still want you on the podcast i hope you come on the podcast and I won't bring up my issues because it's not my job to turn this into like a space for Lazar's cockamamie political views. I guess I just have to draw some lines. Am I in the right path with that, Scott Robin? Mm-hmm. Is that is that the right thinking? I think so. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like with the uh, the notion of dishonorable guests that we're really saying here is that, uh, and I think that what you do really well is you really dive and are capable of diving deep into somebody's life who who works in an area that you know very little about and you have curiosity towards that and really i mean it, it, it's hard there aren't many dishonorable jobs out there yeah i think that's uh, true that you're probably going to run across in in your network of people that you know but are there you know this this is, comes into another question from another one of your listeners Elijah Jackson in Philly who is your dream guest or, or are there areas of, of work or interest that you're hoping to get into? I know you have a couple of seasons planned here, but where else do you want to explore? Is there anything that you really want to, to dive into or a career you want to dive deep into? Yeah. So as you know, I have something of a blue collar past. I've done a lot of jobs, which, you know, Eric Spencer might call shitty jobs and they were shitty jobs, you know, doing pipe fitting and concrete coating, pizza delivery, fast food, service and hospitality work, delivery driver. These are all kind of in a way shitty jobs. And perhaps in part because of my desire to revisit my own biography, I want to talk to more people 
involved in the hospitality industry. Hmm. You know, I've had three chefs who are, you know, basically celebrity chefs so far as I can tell. And that's cool. But I think I'd really want to have on a short order cook. I'd want to have on a server who isn't working in a shishi restaurant, like someone who's been working at a diner for 30 years. Mm-hmm. I want to have someone who works at the Ordnungsamt in Germany. This is like someone who, like the, the order agency, they go around and put tickets on cars and make sure that like people th- are throwing their trash out on the street. You know, jobs like that I'm really interested in exploring. Well, you know, what we used to call blue-collar, sometimes pink-collar jobs. My guests are disproportionately skilled, often highly skilled, well-educated people or people sort of at the top of their game. And um, I'm looking towards pivoting away from that. What was your question again? Or Elijah's question? Oh, his his was a, a guest a, that a I really brought on. What was your you know, I I, yeah. I think, you know, the way that you're sort of describing where you're headed with this, it, it reminds me of maybe more aligning yourself with Stud's, at least what I know of, of Stud's work. Maybe some of the the work that Stud's had done was interviewing people that we might have careers that are, are considered less interesting. And then when you actually start diving into hearing about the work and how people feel about it, you realize that all work is interesting. That's the premise, and so that's uh, that seems you know uh, on your on your path of of honoring work is honoring all work. Have you ever? This is a question for me. Yeah, Scott Robin from Chicago, <laughs> um, and, and and maybe even right now you do a lot of prep work for these things. Have you ever considered doing a more sort of improvisational in the field? you know, trying to get people to stop and talk to you where you don't really know what they do and just doing, just getting answers of, of a random sampling of people and what they do. Just bought the gear for it. Thanks, Studs patrons. I got me <laughs> some USB mics and a little thing to plug into my iPhone, and I'm going to be doing exactly that, perhaps even as early as this summer. And I feel because I care a lot about Elijah, I want to try to answer his question before we go too far into it. Like maybe that is sort of like my dream guest. My dream guest is a truck driver, right? My dream guest is a registered jockey at a humble grocery store. My dream guest is a crane operator. Like those are the people I want to have on the podcast. Like, Barack Obama doesn't need to be in my podcast. Would I say no to Barack Obama? No, I wouldn't say no to Barack Obama. But, like, he doesn't need another platform. His voice is heard loud and clear. And so, like, I don't have, like, a dream guest, like like an author or a politician or a musician that, you know, someone who's listening to this might recognize because that's antithetical to precisely what I'm trying to do here, which is to like give a platform to people who deserve one, but don't don't get to enjoy the luxury of people actually being genuinely curious about them. Mm-hmm. Honoring the work and not the worker. 
I've had so many people say like, dude, all your guests are like so smart and so eloquent. And so it's like, I mean, maybe a lot of them are, I, I suppose, maybe they're talking about what they do. They're talking about the thing that they're most conversant in. They're talking about something that they care about. They're talking through the voices in their head that they grapple with on the way to work or on the way from work or when they're in the shower. They're saying things to me that they say to themselves with great frequency. Like they're practicing these conversations without even knowing it. Like my job is to be sort of a conduit to create a space for them to use words to explore their feelings about what they do every day. It is my working theory about this project in which I'm engaged that if you give a microphone and some empathy and some genuine curiosity to almost anyone, they're going to be kind and compelling and they're possibly even going to sound really smart. And that was sort of my working hypothesis going into this. And it's proven to be true time and time again. That's a nice way to look at it. Well, and Elijah Jackson's a great guy. And <laughs> by the way, the beer is working so much so that um, I might even get another one because, you know, decision making. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I really want to like pinpoint that answer for Elijah. Like that's the dream is to have someone who never would have imagined that some dude would want to sit down and talk to them about their work. Like that's the dream guest. Thank you, Scott, for, for giving me space and time. Like that's the dream guest. The dream guest is the last person on earth who would think for a moment that they just might be some podcast host's dream guest. Hmm. I like that. You know, our listeners don't know this, so I'm going to brag to them about it. I get to talk with my dearest childhood pal, who I've known since the day I was born, Scott Robin, a.k.a. Howard Maple, right here. I get to chat with him every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. in Berlin, 1 p.m. in Chicago. And we've been doing it since the pandemic started, basically. And it's never going to end, I hope. It's just in both of our calendars. And it's been one of the great treats of Corona times. Yeah, it has been. And, you know, us speaking next week is really just is what we're doing anyway. So we're already set up for it. I don't even we don't have to think about it. It's already on the calendar. Yeah. And it's just like usual, me just babbling incessantly with a beer in my hand and you probably thinking about all the work that you could be doing while I'm babbling with a beer in my hand. I was thinking to myself, I hope this becomes more about me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad I got you. you. You honored it in the closing remarks. I love you, buddy. Love you too. I'll dial you up next week. We'll take the rest of the listener questions then. All right. Bye. Bye.
studs, explores, and honors working. I can't do it without doing your voice. <laughs> I'll get it. I'll get it. Okay. I hear your cadence when you do this thing normally. Welcome to Studs. I'm Daniel Lazar. Studs explores and honors working. It, it also honors the life's work of the oral historian and legendary Chicago radio host, Studs Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, look, I I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> I'm like I'm like Professor Frank meets uh, Tony Soprano. And in my effort to close the social distance, oi, we need to close that social distance. Studs gives me a chance to check in with good, hardworking people and take a deep dive into what they do for a buck. Thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome to Thud. I'm Daniel Lazar. 